You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we're joined by James Mafuscio, who actually grew up uh, right down the street from me, even though he's half a country away at the moment. James, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, James has a lot of education about some some topics that we don't we've never talked about on the show. So I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks for coming and joining us. Yeah, you bet. It's uh, great to be here and great to establish that little uh, in, uh, geographical commonality that we have there. Go Tigers, by the way. Yeah. So James went to elementary school where my uh, at the same school that my youngest son is currently at and um, grew up uh, about three blocks away from my whole where my whole family grew up. So that's an interesting little fun fact about us. Uh, James, can you tell us your story? Tell us um what you were, you know, how you got into real estate and, and, and what you're doing today. Yeah, sure. You bet. Well, going back a, a bit, uh, I did graduate from LSU in uh, 1979 as a civil engineer and actually went to work for a large oil company straight out of there and uh, did that for about six years, five, five and a half years and realized this is not for me to be in the corporate world. So I got my real estate license and in ni- early 1986, I jumped ship haven't uh, haven't received a paycheck from anybody in that many years. So what's that? 30, 36 <laughs> years. So I've been self-employed in the real estate world. And I started off uh, doing uh, residential development projects in Southern California. And um, my, my structure was really using private money, private debt, and uh, which is insanity, by the way, in Southern California real estate development world, because it takes, it takes a long time to get projects approved and timing is everything in that game. You know, if you hit the market, right, you're, you're a multimillionaire brilliant. And if you hit the timing wrong, you can have the best product in the world, but you're going to lose it all. And I've lost it all twice. So I, I am, am, am not proud, but uh, I'm happy that it's part of my education, but uh, you know, I've lost a fortune in my world. It was a fortune twice because of the debt structure and um, so in, in 2000 and fast forwarding in 2000 and let's just say 2010, I found myself, you know, at that point, you know, um, you know, in my mid fifties with five teenagers living in Kansas city, had just moved to Cal- Kansas city from California and really starting over from scratch. So uh, I discovered um, the whole distressed debt world. Uh, you know, everybody was chasing the opportunities at that point. Uh, you know, the mortgage crisis created incredible chaos. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you can relate, Sterling. We, uh, you know, chaos is opportunity. So there was opportunity everywhere. Every other house was boarded up in certain parts of Kansas City. So there was the fix and flippers. Then there were the uh, go to the foreclosure auction and buy houses for ridiculous prices at the steps. And uh, I just, you know, was kind of divinely led to go further upstream and um, look into these. Well, what happens before foreclosure? Like these institutions have all of this bad paper and found that um, you could buy this stuff at a pretty significant discount. And I specifically discovered second mortgages. So these would be like people's you know, home equity lines or maybe they bought their house with a piggyback loan, an 80 percent first and a 15 percent second, whatever. But these junior liens were the, the price points that you could buy these for at the time was ridiculous. I mean, I've bought as, as little as 1% of what the balance of principal balance owed was oh, and uh, up to 70 or 80% of that, depending on 
how much equity above our position there would be in the property, et cetera. So anyway, we'd buy these non-performing second mortgages in cases where most of the time the senior mortgage was actually intact and being paid. So, um, so we, you know, again, we could buy these for pretty significant discounts and then we would reach out to, um, to the borrowers. And uh, the, the goal would always be to get a workout plan or, or loan modification where the borrowers, you know, the homeowners could stay in their home. We could make it really sweet for them because of, because of the discounts that we're buying at. So it really created a win-win-win. It was an opportunity for me to jump back in with very little capital initially. And, uh, you know, I, I hooked up with my business partner, Bob Frazier, in 2012. And 2011 was my beta test. I bought a handful of these second mortgages and realized, oh, my goodness, these things are, these things are like gold, the, the multiples we can make. And anyway, I showed him my business. He thought I was crazy at first, but then he looked at it and said, hey, I want to, how about I raise capital for you and you just go do deals? And it was like, hey, that sounds good to me. And here we are 10 years later and we built a company. You know, I think we've deployed, uh, you know, 80 plus million dollars in private capital buying these mortgages. And uh, we have 20, like 23 employees, I believe. And um, so we've been, we've been just cranking it out. Now, the other side of our business is we, we also buy, Reperforming mortgages, or uh, or already performing mortgages, where there's cash flow, but we buy those at a discount as well, and make a really nice yield on those until they pay off, and then we make a nice windfall. Because again, if we're buying it at a 70 percent of what's owed, you know, when the borrower pays it off, of course they're paying off the full balance, the hundred percent. So we we recover that discount when we sell. So. So we've built this uh, this debt these debt funds out, and uh, we we keep running that model, and um, we've also entered into some other verticals where we're we've, we've become pretty good at raising capital, and we love educating people on on pa- all things passive investment and get at least some of your money off Wall Street and into some uncorrelated, you know, private placements. I'm sure you can relate, and so we've done everything from you know. Uh, coming up alongside of other developers and other other syndicators with their various business models, and so what we do is we 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 vet we vet out not only the deal structure or or the vertical uh, business model, but we also vet the sponsor pretty heavily, and then we invest alongside. So we've launched a podcast ourselves, Invest Like a Billionaire, it's called, and um, so we just we love this whole alternative investment world. We keep running our debt funds, and they they keep growing and. You know, it's just a it's just a fun time considering where I was ten years ago. It's a it's been a real blessing to get get to where we are today. So that's awesome. So I, I love what you're. I love the name of your podcast, Invest Like a Billionaire. I, I'm I'm pers- and and I have a lot of questions, uh, selfish questions, and and I say this all the time. But I started this podcast so I could interview really smart people and ask. Isn't them. it? Isn't it the truth? I mean, this is yeah, the best. I don't, even, I don't even care if anybody else listens. I just I can get an audience with anybody with the show, and and I just so I, I I have all these questions about my own business, and I can pick the brains of smart, successful right. guys like yourself. So, I'm, I've got some questions about capital raising, how you go about raising eighty million dollars. But before that, I want to I want to say so. I'm in the process of kind of um, relaunching all of my marketing materials, redoing my websites, redoing my lead magnets and my drip campaigns and my blogs and all that. And, and as I'm rewriting the book, I just, I'm hung up on this concept of, you know, what we do with private placement is 
That is how billionaires invest. That is how these big institutions have always made money. And it has just been sheltered from the general public who say, oh, no, you got to go put your money in a mutual fund. You got to go invest it with, you know, this big institution that's going to feed the hell out of you and, and you right. know, put it in, you know, a, a, an index fund. And that's not where the that's not where money is truly multiplied. Where it's multiplied is these like private placement leverage buyout scenarios where we're adding value, where we already know the assets were. You know, I, I always say there's no wishing, hoping, and guessing in what we do, right? I'm buying right. undervalued assets and I have a very well thought out, meticulous business plan to get it to the market value. There, right. That's that's different than throwing your money in Bitcoin or throwing your money in the S and P five hundred and just hoping it goes up or 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 I think Apple's going to do great. I mean, it's 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 a completely different ball game, and the returns show it. So why can we not make this mainstream? What is preventing well, the general yeah. population from reaping the benefits of doing it the way the billionaires and, and the insurance companies and the retirement funds have been doing it for half its century? Exactly. Exactly. And that's our whole, that's our whole thesis to our, you know, invest like a billionaire. And frankly, my, you know, my world, uh, you know, from starting from in 19, I, Got out in 1986, started doing real estate. I've been doing transactional work as a, as a realtor, but I- You've been doing real estate? Up. You've been doing real estate as long as I've been alive. I was born in 85. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, so, uh, so, I mean, the very first project I did was pull together family and friends money. We, I just did a simple partnership agreement that I probably, I was going to say got online, but there was no online then. <laughs> you know, as an attorney had a cut and paste deal for me. But, uh, you know, it was it was difficult even up until fairly recently to raise private money in a way that was legal and and scalable. But, you know, some laws have changed. And so uh, actually the barriers of entry now are, are lower. And, and so individuals, you know, and we encourage people like, you know, keep keep some money in stocks. But there's a place for that, you know. But the thing of it is, when I wake up in the morning, if, you know, if uh some dictator somewhere does something stupid or Joe Biden gets out a coherent sentence or not. <laughs> I had to throw that in, you know, <laughs> the value of my portfolio and the value of your portfolio, you know, I don't look at a chart and say, Oh my goodness, our mortgage portfolio just tanked 3% because some politician did something stupid or smart. It's just, no, it's a piece of property that this family lives in and they pay their mortgage. And the only reason they're going to stop paying their mortgage is, is loss of a job or loss of income. And if they do that, we can help them out. And if we can't help them out, we'll take over the asset, which we can put a renter in and the renter will pay us more or as much as what the mortgage payment was. How can that ever go down in value, you know, in, in, with any kind of a long term? So it's not correlated to the financial markets, you know, which are, which are fickle at best. And yeah, over the long haul, equity stocks go up, but not at a very steep curve. The thing of it is the drawdowns are so huge that if you if you if you're in a situation where you have to get some of your capital out in the markets down too bad. But, you know, we look at our assets or like, you know, you're in the apartment world. Same thing. It's like when's there ever not going to be the need for people workforce housing for people to be renting your units, you know. And so it's just uh, it's it's such a smart play. And the fact of the matter is retail investors can participate now. So what we're finding is and this is kind of my uh thesis on it, Sterling, is that 
you know, individuals are discovering the world of, of private investments, private placements, syndications. But the problem is then, then you start getting online and searching and you can, you can start signing up for email lists and podcasts and blogs and everything else. And now your inbox is jammed because there's 15 apartment deals every day of storage deals. Or, sure. I mean, I'm, we got involved in a Bitcoin mining deal and I'm not, we're not even pushing that out to our investors yet. Cause I want to beta test that. But the point is it's like, okay, now what do I do? I don't know who's real. I don't know who's fake. Everybody's got a good marketing shtick. You know, it's like the, sure. it's like the multi-level marketing thing of 20 years ago. It's like everybody's pitch sounds perfect, you know, until you dig in and find out, you know, well, they're just they're just able to raise a lot of money because they're good marketers, but they're buying crappy projects that don't pencil. So this is creating the need for people like you and I to step in and become at least a little bit of an accountability and a little bit of a due diligence and credibility factor where we can say, no, you know, we've been I mean, this hair is this color for a reason. <laughs> and, and the other uh, the other guys that I work with. Uh, are, are very seasoned. We have a, a banker, you know, has been doing underwriting commercial loans for banks and, and knows how to tear a business apart and look at it. Another guy that's been in private placement. In fact, he he came on with us about three or four years ago, and he was a chief counsel for this major, uh, you know, mutual fund company. And I mean, they're a half a trillion dollar company. But he got involved in private placements himself personally, and we we had him as a guest on our podcast. He's actually work, works with us now. And uh, we asked him, well, how much, like, how many private placements are you in? And he says, well, put it this way. I I get an average of 100 K-1s every year. So this guy is what I call an active, a very active passive investor, right? But, but, you know, you look, you start looking at these deals and, and we've become very good at vetting not only the deal, but the sponsor, you know, because I want to make sure that the young, smart person that we're investing in their, in their storage deal you know, then you start looking at it and say, yeah, I got, I got this, this deal going and 15 more deals on the boards. And well, how are you <laughs> going to manage the growth? Well, you know, and, and really they always have an answer for it, but the real answer is like, you're really not going to manage the growth. You're just going to scramble and buy everything you can. And we're not going to put our money with, with an operator like that. So there's a lot more to the game than the marketing pitch or the executive summary, you know? And so, uh, so we're, you know, we're positioned to be that for, passive these these investors that are just discovering the whole world of what you and I do all day long and so uh it's exciting it's a it's a great time it's a great time for i mean there there are there are uh, crowdfunding sites and some of them are actually pretty good that people with you know a few hundred dollars can literally invest in a real estate project and i'm not you know I, again buyer beware but you know a lot of people think well i don't I haven't discovered that world yet, but I invest in REITs or, you know, real estate investment trusts. But again, those act just like stocks, Gee. you know, they're, you know, they go, they go up and they go down based on the market sentiment. So uh, we love what we do and, you know, love this whole world and love helping people, you know, honestly, helping people, as, as you said, you know, help them invest like a billionaire. This is the way the wealthy have created and, and, and preserved their wealth is through, these kinds of investments. And it's fun to me that the regular folks, you know, like myself get to discover it and participate in it. It's phenomenal. So, so how do you go about raising $80 billion? One million at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did our, we did our first fund. Uh, we raised 1.5 million and it was really, uh, it was really my partner's 
it was fam a family and friends deal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, we obviously put together our little business plan and brought that out. We, you know, we registered it. It was a, it was a 506 uh, B offering. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, private, just private place. We're just talking to people and we started there and then, and then we moved as we started gaining some credibility and track record, you know, we expanded that out. Then we hired, um, we, we hired actually a young man who's uh, he, he's our the, the banking guy and he's pretty good at capital raising. And, you know, we, we did all the things that you're probably doing. You know, we were guests on podcasts. We host our own podcast. Um, we do a little bit of a, you know, we do some Google advertising because with a 506 C structure, which is for accredited investors, you can, you know, you can do some general solicitation, and so, uh, you know, you, you start building a track record and you start building a presence. And before you know it, I mean, we have, to be honest, we have wait lists now for our, for our distressed debt funds. We, we can't place all the money that wants to invest sure. in our funds. I think a lot of so, people are um, in that situation. With, it, with there, the bottom line is there's, there's way more money out there looking for us, looking for good opportunities than, than, than there are really, than there are opportunities. And I don't think we've, come to the bottom of the barrel on opportunities, but, um, you know, it's really just getting in front of the investors and, and, and honestly, uh, doing what you say you're going to do. We're very anal about that. We're, you know, we, we, we send out our you know, monthly checks, quarterly reports. We're very available. I mean, even the principals, myself and my partner are available to our investors. Um, you know, we have a, we have redemption, uh, processes. So there's some level of liquidity in our funds. If people need to get their money out, we work with them. Uh, it happens very rarely because we're making, you know, they're, they're making really nice returns, but you know, where else will they go? You know, but um, you know, it, it, it's taken some time to get there, but you know, we've had some pretty big uh, players come on board and, you know, put a million dollars with us, which we find out is just dipping a, dipping a little toenail in the water to <laughs> see how we do. And, and then after you do what you say you're going to do and they see some success, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you got any other offerings? And, you know, we have some people that invest in every one of our funds. Cause we do, we've been doing like serial funds, you know, for we'll raise, you know, $10 million and then deploy that 10 million. Of course there's overlap in that timeline. And then we'll harvest, you know, when, when we're getting the workouts and the successful exits, we start distributing the money back to the investors, but all the while that's going on, we're opening up the next fund because we always want to have dry powder and be able to buy the assets as they become available. So, um, you know, you just get into the flow of capital, right? It's one of our core functions is, is uh, capital raising. So, you know, we, we've, we've invested in that. We have a, you know, we have a staff, there's three or four people that are dedicated just to the whole capital raising world. So it's, you know, it's, it's work, but it's very rewarding when you, when you uh, have a good track record. So. Awesome. So what would you do differently if you uh, could start over again? Oh my goodness. I, I, I make this statement all the time. I wish the 30 year old me would have met the 60 year old me. <laughs> of course, the third, the 30 year old me might've been too arrogant to think that he wouldn't could have listened. This, you know? <laughs> so I like to tell people, you know, that uh, they say, well, what's the one takeaway? I say, well, you know, people say you, you, you know, you, the best teacher, the best way to learn is through your mistakes. And mm -hmm. I say, not really. That's really the second best way. The first best way would be to learn from my other mistakes. Right, from right, other people. OPM, yeah. other people's mistakes, yeah. right? But yeah. but the fact of the matter is human nature being what it is, usually we won't go, especially entrepreneurs, people that are have an entrepreneurial bent, they, 
you know, for some reason we kind of feel like we have to get in there and, you know, get knocked around a little bit and learn it ourselves. But uh, I, I would have, I would have, I would have done more of a steady plotting business model instead of just swinging for the fence and doing development projects. I would have probably stuck with the transactional business because I was actually pretty good as a realtor. I mean, I, I love people and I'm pretty intuitive in terms of figuring out what does this person really want or need? So I could have stuck with that and as kind of a day job or a steady income deal. And then I would have, I was just telling my daughter, I was talking to her yesterday and about real estate. And, and I said, you know, um, one thing I would have, if I'd have had a steady, some form of steady, stable, more dependable income and not just going project to project, my, my, uh, my thesis would have been never sell your real estate. Sure. Just, just hold. I mean, I'm talking about your personal real estate. So I went back and looked on Zillow at all the properties I've owned from my, the very first little condo I bought in Ventura, California for $75,000. And, and I looked at all that. And if I had kept all the, you know, I'm not talking about a lot of the investment properties and things that are fix and flips or stuff that was from the beginning, it was going to be a, a sell, sell for profit deal. It's just, I mean, the, the, the number of digits that that portfolio would be worth today with mortgages paid off because a lot of it I was buying 30 years ago, you know, it's like, it's incredible. So uh, that's what I would have done differently. I would have had a little bit more of a longer term approach. I would have kept, I would have had the discipline of some sort of a business that paid me more regularly until I got to where the passive income from my investments would be, you know, very easily would cover my overhead. And then once you get to that point, you're just off to the races because now you've bought all your time back and everything you do, you know, can be towards building a profit or a profitable future instead of uh, waiting for the next payday. So that's probably the main thing. Awesome. Um, I guess this, this uh, question could sound like the same as the last one, but it, it I feel like it might be different. Which what, probably means I didn't answer your question. No, you definitely did. <laughs> What would you, what advice would you give to somebody else that's just getting started? So somebody else getting started, I'm going to assume you mean just getting started in the whole real estate slash alternative investment world. Yes. So, okay. And, and maybe they already have a, I'm, I'm going to assume this is somebody that has a day job, so to speak. Sure. So they're not like, they're, they're not like a trust fund, you know, like, Hey, right. I have like $10 million. What do I do? Cause no, I would no, tell no. that person, Actually, a lot of what I would, would say would be the same. And that is, you know, to not get yourself educated in, in a world like we're in right now is, is insane because there is so much access to so much great information for so little cost, like people that are watching your podcast right now. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, go to conferences. I'd say read books because I actually still read actual books. But, you know, attend webinars, go to pocket, go to conferences. I mean, you go to some of these conferences and uh, there are, there's tons of them in the real estate space and there's specific ones to the debt space. That's where I learned everything, how to take my generic real estate ways of thinking and toolkit, but convert it over and reposition it into the debt space. By going to conferences, we hired some of our key players that are still with us that I met at conferences. So we, we, we found deal sources and we found people that buy our deals, you know, th through 10 years of, of attending these conferences. So figure out, you know, figure out which vertical you want to be in. And I would say start with something that's really, you know, kind of non-sexy and, and more steady plotting. 
and um, and just learn it, you know, and, and get mentored. Don't be don't be shy about reaching out to people and say, hey, I want to learn this business. I'm willing to do some work for you just to see how you do what you do. Is that OK? And there's all kinds of people with mentoring programs. And again, you got to be careful and you got to talk to a few people that have used them and, and, and make sure that you get the right person. But there's so much good information available. Sterling, I would say that's number one. Uh, and, and even information on how to raise capital. You don't even have to reinvent the wheel on that. And there's there's platforms that if they like you and you do your due diligence, they'll put your deals on their platforms and you get you know investment capital coming to you before you, before you know it. So jump in, start learning. And by the way, pull the trigger. I mean, find your first little deal, whatever it is you're going to do, and just get started. And yeah, it may be a failure. It may not be a home run. It may <laughs> only be a single, but... There, there is no better teacher than, than jumping in and doing it. I tell people that all the time. People that want to do their first deal, they always send it. Is this a good deal? Is this a good deal? I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose money on your first one. It's 10 times more important that you take that, that mental step and That's get right. over that, that fear hurdle. You know, I lost tons of money on my first. I, I, I mean, I still have it. I, it, it ended up pretty much appreciating for more than a loss. But like, if I look at my first house that I bought, you know, and I bought it for cash flow, I had so much stuff go wrong those first two years. Like it's it never cash flow, you know what I mean? But you the cash learn, flow, but cash flows cash can flow in two directions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Towards you and away from you. But anyway. <laughs> so no, I that's that's so uh that's so paramount is to to go and take that first step because that's where a lot of people get hung up. But uh, I want to hop over to our radio round a little bit. Um, it's just three quick questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. You, The first question, you mentioned you like to read books. I like to read books still, too. I've got a good lineup of them back there. What's your favorite book? <laughs> well, uh, you asked me. It's my story. So the Bible is my favorite book. That's the one I read, try to read every day. And it's, awesome. it's uh, you know, in, in the physical fitness world, you uh, – you know, people tell you, build your core first, right? Sure. And so, and I believe in, in our life, we should build our core and that's our spiritual life. And so that's uh, the applicability of, of that book to all of life is, to me, it's foundational, it's core, and, and it instructs everything else that I do. So um, honestly, I'm not really in the middle of reading any business related books right at the moment, because I've been really just absorbed in the podcast world. And, uh, you know, I find that, um, you know, books are great and they're, they're great for principles mostly, but real time information is so important in today's day and age. So actually, you know, I watch, I watch and listen to a, a lot of podcasts and, and we do our own podcast and you're getting real time boots on the ground, actionable information when you, when you do that. So, so that's probably my, as far as input and education, it's probably right now, it's probably podcasts and, and webinars would be nothing, it. nothing wrong with that. I find having read a million business and real estate books are dry. I just can't make it through them anymore. I mean, I've read, I've read so many and I know so much, like you said, it's the same principles over and over again. Right. right. I'll still listen to the podcast to catch some real, like, Oh, they just changed the tax laws. Oh, they just changed the sec. Yeah. Surprise, you know I mean? surprise. <laughs> like yeah. but that, that real estate book that was written in 92, like the first six real estate books that were written in 92 were great, but like, I can't read a seventh one. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, you know, I I was at dinner with my you know twenty six year old daughter last night, and and you know she wants to get involved and interested in investing in real estate and all that. I mean, I told her, you know, go go buy rich dad poor dad. I mean, it's a great thirty thousand foot view. It'll and so she did. She texted text me after on her way home. She stopped at Barnes and Noble, a real bookstore, and the real and said, "Dad, look what I got." And I'm like, "Good for you. Read it and let's get together and talk about it." So yeah, it's awesome. 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 What's your favorite quote? Oh my goodness. I usually give people a heads up, but because I was in a hurry before I show, I forgot to tell you. Uh, <laughs> do unto people, others as you would have them do unto you. There you, there you go. go. Gold, the golden rule. Tying it the golden rule. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, you know, I, I, I love skiing, actually. That's, you know, one of the reasons we moved out here to Colorado. So I, I love all things mountain. We, my wife and I, you know, we're in our mid-60s and we mountain bike and not aggressively, but uh, we, we, we just love out the outdoors and, you know, exercise. And, you know, I want to be, uh, I, I want to be healthy, you know. I want to be around when I'm uh, hey, 85 years old. So Speaking of that, I was in Colorado uh, two weeks ago skiing. And I, I, I hit the ground pretty hard and I'm still not healthy from it. I, uh, oh, man. I, uh, I was, I hadn't been in a couple of years. So, you know, that I was, I was about five minutes into it. And I said, man, I was, I was feeling cute. I was feeling cocky as I, I really got this. So I started going fast and man, the second my head got big, it just went straight into the snow. <laughs> and I, oh man. Yes. Where, what, uh, where were you skiing? We were at a uh, Keystone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I go there often. I'm Breckenridge and Keystone between those two. That's where I like yeah, to ski. We were, so. I was in town for the, uh, for Joe Fairless's best ever conference. Um, and, and while, uh, you know, I went two years ago and, um, it was in Keystone. So we went, yeah, I, went, I was there. We went a few I was days. There. I went, went a few, yeah. we went a few days early and skied before. And then this go around, cause it was in Denver. We, Right. We tacked the skiing onto the end. So I spoke on a panel at the uh, at the best ever this year at the Gaylord there. So awesome. I guess we we probably were ships passing in the night there and didn't, didn't uh, notice. Well, I didn't know you at the time. So next next best ever, I'll uh, yeah, I'll see you. We'll sure. shake hands. You going to Salt Lake City next year? I am. I am. I'll uh, I'll I'll probably make every one of Joe's conferences. I, I, that's the best good. best one I've been to for sure. I agree. Well, well, where can our listeners find out more about you, learn from you, invest with you, get in touch with you? Best place is just visit our website. It's uh, aspenfunds.us, not .com, but .us. And Aspen Funds is one word. And yeah, just uh, there's a place there to just put your info in and you put a comment and say, hey, you know, saw you on the on Sterling's podcast. would like to get some more info and, you know, we'll definitely reach back out and, and, and help help direct you. And a lot of times we direct people to other people's deals, but, you know, or, or business models, because it's probably just like the, you know, our, our distressed debt space. I, I would I, I wouldn't tell my best friend today to jump in at a mom and pop level because it's gotten so regulated. Now we're in, we've already invested the time. We built the infrastructure. You know, we have all the attorneys in all 50 States. And so, you know, once you've paid that price and we're licensed, you stay in and it's great. But it, back when I got involved, it was still the wild West. It was pretty easy, but I would, I, I tell people, Hey, go get involved in, you know, some other business model. That's a little bit, a little bit lower barrier of entry. Awesome. Yeah. Would, 
James, thank you uh, so much for joining the show. Thanks uh, for sharing all your wisdom with us. And and I look forward to uh, seeing you next year at Salt Lake and keeping up with you on your journey in the meantime. Yes, sir. My pleasure, Sterling. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>